what you are about to see is real. Two women of privilege, their views shaped by their divergent backgrounds. A white woman from an evangelical Midwest military household and a multiracial philosopher from a wealthy Southern California family. They are attempting to do something unimaginable in today's society. They are going to talk to each other like human beings. This is Privilege with Purpose. Co-hosts Dava Mills and Alina Francis openly discuss topics that are normally only whispered about behind closed doors as they try to illuminate context and break down power struggles. Welcome to the conversation. On this episode of Privilege with Purpose. Today, we are talking about why we are all missing the mark on racism. What I heard you say was, do black people learn or get taught from a young age to be angry? I didn't say angry though, I said quiet. Well, what happens if we step back and question this narrative that's been passed down to us historically because we caused, in a way, the angry black person I truly believe that racism is a tool Mm -hmm. that's being used to keep us separate and divided. Oh, (laughs) deep breath. Actually. (laughs) The conversation starts now. Hi, I'm Dava Mills. I'm Alina Francis. Today, we are talking about why we are all missing the mark on racism. Oh, Alina. Hot seat. <laughs> Total hot seat. Okay. Brace myself. I know. White people have this confusion, and the confusion is they don't know what is the right way to be. Sometimes right conversations with people of color. And you told me recently about a conversation you had with a woman who is from another country. She's a minority. And what was the question she asked you? So I was asked, why can't black people seem to get together? Get it together. Yeah. Why can't we seem to not act as a unit? Right. And so from the white person looking in, we're like, this person says this, this person says this. And we're like, ah! And then you told me that one day. And I'm like, I'm sure that's what white people are feeling, but they're never going to admit to it. Um, So... Let's have a conversation about this. Um, What exactly are we getting together? Or as a black person, what what are we looking for? What is this unity that people are failing to see? Right. So from my perspective, this is where it started from. Okay. This is going back to colonialism. This is going back to the slave trade. Mm-hmm. So systematic. So we start off in Africa, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's warring tribes, right? You know, once you get take over a tribe, you have prisoners of war, right? POWs, right. right? To them, they're something, or to to them, they're nothing. They're right. tradable. They're um, dispensable, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you have someone from another country come in, they have riches, they have things that you've not seen before, and now they are being traded. Right. So now we're starting this this, this slave trade, right? Right. So once they get to America, which everyone knows about 
the journey of black people to America, which was horrific, right? Mm-hmm. You get into uh, get onto a platform. You're sat. You're put in a square with all different kinds of languages. No one's really not communicating because now you're being separated, right? And you're being separated on purpose. It's intentional. So now your families are being pulled apart. Mm-hmm. And they're going in different directions. And now all of a sudden you're on a plantation. You're on a plantation where you don't know anybody. Right. You don't speak the same language. You don't even speak the same dialect or language. Right. And all of a sudden you're scared, naked, you're being sold, you're in shackles, and now you're being told you got to do X, Y, Z. You know, now there's a whip involved, right? Right. Now, all of a sudden, they're, you're out in the fields, right? right? Okay. Now, all of a sudden, through maybe first, second, third generation, right? You got to somehow control those people out on the field. Right. You need a lead, what they call a lead Negro. It was usually a man. You have the lead Negro who is now in charge of making sure that the field Negroes are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And this Negro is also going to snitch on them. Right. This Negro is also going to not have their back. Right. This is, again, intentional. Because at one point, the non-Black person that owned these slaves were like, we can't have an uprise. So if you can't have an uprise, okay, mm-hmm. how do we, and, we, and we're kind of scared of black men, right? Because they might be more powerful than us. How do we control this scenario? Now they're seeing they need someone to be in charge of everyone. Mm-hmm. They have Big Mama. Mm-hmm. So they have the woman now, Big Mama, who's going to oversee and make sure everyone's in place. Okay. She's going to nurture. She's going to take care of. She's an important role. She's an integral role, right? Then all of a sudden, you're now having house Negroes Mm -hmm. versus now there's field Negroes and now there's house Negroes. Right. So now you're starting to see how a community of black people are now broken down. Mm -hmm. Now, Now let's fast forward. So fast forward. So I'm going to bring in some of my evangelical background. And we Mm -hmm. talk a lot in evangelical circles and in most Christian circles about the sons of the father. Right. And so one of the common logics right now in non-evangelical circles is that the term sin actually comes from an Aramaic root word. of It's an archer's term for missing the mark. So if we look at the sins of the father passing down to their children, to their son, to their daughter, we're teaching a habit of missing the mark. So we have, this is what I believe starts um, internal bias or unconscious bias is because we know something exists, but we've been taught so much on how we aim that we're not quite doing it in a way that serves whatever purpose, but that's what we know that we can't see that we're missing the mark or that we're intentionally missing the mark. So from a white person's perspective, we have continually missed the mark. And when we talk about unconscious bias, it literally is unconscious. But what does that mean to people who are African-American, people who are descendants of slaves? What does that look like over a period of 200 years? For me, I because I'm one person, I cannot speak of the whole of black 
people. Okay. But from my experience and being light-skinned, and we'll get into that mm-hmm. conversation, um, I believe anger. Okay. Anger that gets carried over. Mm-hmm. Rage, mm-hmm. hurt, suffering, pain. Right. That's been carried over generationalized. Yes. Okay. From generation to generation to generation. So for, from a white person's perspective, um, I look at BLM and of course everybody started pulling forward the Martin Luther King quote. Um, we'll go ahead and have that in the show notes, but basically it talks about when there's a group of people that have been ignored through peaceful means, they will resort to violent means to get their voice heard. So that was thrown down oddly by mostly white people during BLM, which I thought was interesting, um, just for matter of opinion here, I did not join in in any riots. <laughs> I did not join in in any marches. Um, Neither I, did I. Right. Um, but I did engage in a lot of discussion with people. And this is where when I started out this episode talking about white people being confused, this is very much when we started uh, developing this show, that's what happened. I was at a birthday party and you have a bunch of white people trying to figure out how to be involved positively from a racist standpoint, like from a racism activist standpoint, not from a racist standpoint that came out wrong, but you're going to say that was like subliminal messaging. Yes. But the flip side is, is it the frustration that was coming across with, there's like five, six, seven things I need to be doing and everything I try to do that I think is right. I'm being told is wrong. And I'm, starting to disengage now because I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right answer is. Okay. So here's my upsetness in that, right. in this conversation, this context. Um, I'm going to say a short story and then bring it back to okay. your point. So um, I had someone say to me that the a friend of their, and this is someone that I know, mm-hmm. they're reading books on how to talk with their black friend i immediately got pissed off Mm -hmm. i'm like what the fuck right why do you need a book to be my friend now all of a sudden you have people saying i need to know how to talk to my black friend right get back to that how in the hell right why would you say that why would you do that a human being is a human being if you want to know about black culture then read up on black, black culture. culture. But you don't need to read a book on how to talk to my black. That's offensive in itself. And right. why people didn't see that in the beginning is beyond me. Well, and that's this- that's so offensive. It's like you you don't know how to be a human being to another human being. Forget my color. Right. But that's ha- happened to one of my friends. He was telling me because he's black. Yeah. He's gay. When BLM hit, he's like my straight white friend said, is it still okay to hug you? Yeah, yeah, I to know. Me, so look, this and to me, okay, this is that's not even bias. That's just stupidity, right? And am I, if I'm offending anyone out there, so be it. Mm-hmm. That's offensive. Racism has been going on since I've been born, which is 1970. Right. Not once in my growing up did I have to have a book on how to or or have special schooling on how to relate to white people. Which but what I'm you did have well. is you had an unconscious way of being that you were taught. 
So one of the things we were talking earlier this week um, about uh, when I had started my business a couple of years ago, uh, we had like an Entrepreneurs Technology Week in Portland. Right. And I went to um, a Black Entrepreneurs in Technology. And it was open to all races. Right. Uh, but I went there specifically to meet Black entrepreneurs okay. and Black business owners. And so it wasn't a huge thing. I was there. There's probably 30, 40 people in the room. And um, maybe a third of the room was white or not black, um, not black presenting. And I remember talking to this kid. And I say kid lightly. He couldn't have been more than 24, 25 years old. He had a, a job working at a local company in security. But he was building a program. And he was explaining how this program worked. And there was a couple other... Uh, people of color in the conversation. And there was me and a white woman in the conversation. And of course, my recruiting starts kicking in. I start getting curious about this person. She interrupts the conversation and wants to start knowing about me. So I answer her question briefly. I would reflect back to the kid and I'd ask him another question. And she did this over and over again. So I'm literally watching this play out. And I remember a sense of frustration coming over me. And I remember watching people with the darker skin. There was a certain attitude and posturing they all took. And it was very interesting. And finally, the woman left the conversation. We finished our conversation. I go to the next networking event and I wind up talking to a gentleman who specifically, um, he's African-American and he helps um, people who are minorities get funding because most of it goes to white entrepreneurs. And so I told him about what happened, like, hey, I was watching this go down and he goes, yeah, he says, this is what happened with the guy that you were talking to. He put his hands in front of him and just stood there and stared. I said, yeah. That's exactly what happened. And he's walking me through what was going through all the black people's heads. And he was like showing me like their body language, their posturing. I was like, holy cow. Like there was a, I know, right? There was a training. There is, was it a conscious training from their parents? Was it like a colloquial thing? So I'm wondering like, were you taught that from your parents? Like if white people start going off, like I just did. Were you taught that or was that an unconscious, unconscious training? I know. I'm asking. I know you're asking. I, <laughs> I actually want to get really pissed. Like, Dave, oh my gosh, no. But are you really pissed or are you? No, I am because that. No, I, okay, I can't speak for all black people, but I just know that a lot of black people right. aren't, when we're being raised, I'm pretty sure that's not happening. Right. So and this no, is. Before you go any further, that, so I find that offensive what you just said okay. to me. But I'm really asking do. you, if, like, if we're looking at racism, some forms of racism being unconsciously passed down through white people. Is there unconscious behaviors for dealing with white people being passed down? I don't know if people are being trained to respond to black, to white people, if that's what you're asking. All I know is this, wait, before you go, all I know is this. When black boys, young boys walk into a mall, they're being looked at. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's something that's learned. That's, That's right. something that is out there already. Right. 
two black teenagers driving in a car in the South or even in California. Or even in Oregon. Or even in Oregon being pulled over and they've done nothing wrong. Right. So I don't know if, you, if for, a, for a white person to say that, I think is completely... I want to say inappropriate. So give me give me the interpretation the of what you side. heard me say. Like what I heard you say was if do black people learn or get taught from a young age to be angry? And I'm going to say I don't I don't I didn't say angry though. I said no, 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 quiet. But, but quiet, but if we go back to the beginning of this conversation, okay. you did ask me Yeah, that's true. um you know, um what's been passed down generational right. is anger. Right? Mm -hmm. Is is pain. It's being repeatedly acted out. So I don't know if you can, if white people can come from that perspective when there are outside everyday conditional things always occurring for them. For white people or for black people? For black people. All right. So, but for me, what I was saying is, is white people are, un, I believe we are unconditionally as a race in this country, right. we are unconditionally trained or through behavior we're trained we're not told you need to treat a black person like that we just somehow it becomes a part of our way of unconscious being because we saw our parents our grandparents our great-grandparents do that right, right. Well, so okay. to, to add to that yes. yes when you i don't have i don't have a son i have a daughter but i i'm told and my friends who have black sons they are trained when they have that conversation, and all black people know what I'm about to say, they are trained that if you see the police, you do this. Right. You put your hands up. So they are trained to react. Right. They are being trained to react mm -hmm. to what's already out there. Right. So that's kind of, to me, not the same thing. Okay. And that's... That's, I think, where the plight of the black man is right here and right now. Okay. And it's so, it doesn't just resonate just being taught from yay tall. There's a certain way you got to behave. Right. Because a cop might, a group of might, right? Mm -hmm. Now as you're getting older and you're going through school and college, especially if you're the only black kid in a white college or a white school you have to behave a certain way because now all of a sudden you are like the poster child of your race and then what white people do when they have that one black friend they say well all my black friends it's like all your black friends is the number one it's like we've saw that a lot even i'm going to spin it a little bit i see this a lot I don't see black people doing this, but I see white people doing it, like all my gay friends. Like, you have one gay friend, right? So they'll use that as a reason because their circle is so like them right. to say, well, all my black friends are like this, so how come all these black people are like this? To now kind of jump away from that. Okay. When we were during um, lockdown, we mm -hmm. were in lockdown, and we were coming out, and the BL, um, BML BLM, thing yeah. was going on, right? Um, one of my black friends who is darker than me, mm -hmm. we were having a dialogue and she said, well, you really can't talk about that because you're like, 
So, so now you're seeing division on a whole different other scale. Like, cause, uh, my first, my first encounter of racism wasn't with white people. It was with my own people. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different story, a whole different episode, really. We, I mean, so here's the thing. It goes back to what my friend said, and we've talked about this before. I always say, why can't we look to our Jewish brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and 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 model after them right. um, what they did behind um, World War II, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this and we got into the conversation. Well, what? why can't I got into the conversation then? Why can't we be like them and group together? Mm-hmm. Why can't we be like Italians when they came to America and the Irish, even though they were being discriminated against, but they were collectively, they still held together. Right. Right. Then I realized we can't do that as black people because of our past, which goes to the very beginning of this conversation. We are so divided within our own community that that is why this is still going amok and going effing crazy. It's like until we get to a point, until we get to, we cannot change our past. Uh, Maya, Maya Angelou will have a quote for that. She's like, she does say something in regards to, we cannot relive our history, nor do we want to. However, however, slavery still exists. What I love about our Jewish brothers and sisters, they said, look, the Holocaust happened. We forgive the world, but we're not going to let you forget. Mm-hmm. And we don't want you, we don't want you to forget and we're not going to shame you. We don't want you to forget because we don't want it to happen again. Right. Right. So now if I'm, if I want to use the same equation, first us as a black community, we have to get, we have to heal our division. So the question is, how do we do that? Well, white people don't do that. No. And that's where I say we need to, as a black, I have a really radical notion on this, and that is black people needs to just shut off the entire fucking world and literally look within ourselves and figure out how we can get to uh, be united again. And not united in a way that it's aggressive and angry, because mm-hmm. I, I don't subscribe to that. I'm going to say there's a lot of black brothers and sisters out there doesn't subscribe to that either no and it's not to overthrow right and it's not to get our 40 um acres, 40 acres and a of mule, mule which we're never going to get anyways right but it is to get together so we can literally heal ourselves okay i think in healing ourselves in that respect just through that step and process alone would start healing the process of the process of the or the the thing that we call racism. If we can heal within ourselves, within each other, within our community, if we can start doing this, I think there would be a better outcome. Right. I was just going to say though, that. from like the white person perspective, how many times have you talked to a white person and their thing was, well, I've never owned a slave, and I always find that to be a humorous 
statement. And I don't mean humorous and like that it's cute, but it's, it's like, I think you're completely losing the context here. I look at it from the white person perspective, you know, the whole angry black person narrative that gets fed. And it's like, well, what happens if we step back and question this narrative that's been passed down to us historically, because we caused in a way the angry black person? Why don't we say, your anger is valid. I've never heard white people say that even though I didn't cause this to you personally, your anger is valid. Yeah. So that's what we talked about is forgiveness. At what point, because I, I was telling you, right. I'm telling the world, I'm so exhausted. I don't know about you guys. I'm so exhausted. I'm so fucking tired of, of all the isms. I really am. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of it. So... My thing is, when are we going to start seeing each other not due to the color of our skin, but as human to human? Yeah. I always threw, so this is something that David and I talk about. I said, the only, the only way racism is going to end mm-hmm. is, what do I say? Is when black people decide it's going to end. And aliens. <laughs> If aliens came down right the fuck now, guess what? Color wouldn't even be the issue. In fact, it would it would be gone disappear like that because now it's about it's about human banding together in human beings, and I think that's a, that's another division in the BL. BLM, yes, Bureau of Land Management, Black Lives Matter, you know. Which I don't subscribe to, and that's why I'm having a hard time, is that because, and it's not in any way dissing or disrespecting what us black people have gone through, because I'm also white, too. So if if I'm offending anyone, I'm offending all, everybody, because I'm, I'm all of it, in me. Well, yeah. Right? Right. Well, and me too. So so if he, so, here's the thing. Someone once said that racism literally ceased to exist on one day and one day only. What day do you think that was? In fact, it like literally left everyone's mind. I honestly. This is in real time too. I, I honestly don't know. 9-11. Okay. 9-11. Everyone did was not thinking about the color of their skin. They were not thinking about who they're sleeping with, whether it's a man, woman. Right. It was about lives. It was about lives. Period. Right. It was about lives. In that moment, for that whole whatever month, week, whatever, it was just us human beings trying to make it back and get but to a better place. Right. So then it could, this comes the question, when can we, whether you're black or white, when can we literally give up the fucking conversation and just be like, okay. Well, when we stop weaponizing the conversation, that's one of the things that pisses me off. When I talk to like, you know, my family is very Republican, very evangelical. Right. And when Black Lives Matter comes up, the first thing that happens is the all lives matter statement starts. And instead of saying, why is it important to have the statement of Black Lives Matter? It's an automatic dissertation of all lives matter. I'm like, I get it. Right. But I also get in these conversations, we started then dividing ourselves further. Well, if Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, oh, right? So, so, here's, so I think what the misunderstanding of that is this. What Black people, Black people, I'm going to say as being a black person um, 
It's just acknowledgement. That's all it is. Exactly. Acknowledging that there is discrimination, acknowledging that there's inequalities. Right. This is what this country was built on, right? Right. All men are created equal. Acknowledging that, that that's not so, that has not been so. And that's what I try to talk to people about, like within my circle. Now, then there is their flip side and we won't go down this rabbit hole right now, but people that come from military backgrounds because of their training, it's, they have a very different view when you step into these moments. So when I look at this, it's really interesting to be able, it, it's interesting that any time something that's supposed to come forward, that's supposed to cause healing winds up somehow causing more divisiveness. Something as simple as saying black lives matter, which to me is not an offensive statement. It's a simple statement of saying, Hey, we're over here and we matter. Right. And somehow it turns into this weapon and this evil thing with, with certain people. And I'm like, how did you derive all that right. from three I, little words? I truly believe that racism is a tool mm-hmm. that's being used to keep us separate and divided. The, P, the small fraction that runs this world, there's a purpose and intention for this tool be played out mm-hmm. and it keeps on being played out right and we keep in my opinion we keep on getting sucked into it and all, and what it really is is a power struggle right because right? white people don't Our, want to give validity which is very interesting it's a power struggle right. because our country was built on um, a power struggle right so our which makes it even more interesting our country was built on a power struggle mm-hmm. from the uk now our Americans were free, and then all of a sudden we're creating a new power struggle. Right. And right. then there's struggles within that, not just with black people now. No. It's also classism. Oh, totally. So until we start to see racism for what it really is, and that is I'm, I'm going to stand by this 100%. It is a tool being used on us to be divided and separate and distracted. We obviously can't uh, <laughs> solve racism, and literally in the time frame too. Yeah. However, we can certainly talk about it. And we, can and the we that's how, and that's why we're doing what we're doing and having these conversations, have healing. We want you to comment. We want you to add to this because the more we talk about this, whether whether you agree or disagree, right? It, it needs to keep on having positive conversations in regards to it to have some sort of healing, getting some sort of forgiveness. This is not going to be a problem that's solved overnight. No. But again... There's too much hurt and pain and we just got to, I think, acknowledge it right and we we don't have to all of a sudden go into these deep mea culpas again these are actions these are little simple everyday itty bitty actions that as they take place we notice it and then the next time we notice it we call ourselves out on it and maybe the next time we notice it before we do something and we become a little bit better and we're okay with people being angry Seriously, it's okay. Because you can move from anger. Yeah. 
So thank you for joining us on Privilege with Purpose. We are going to have an on -conver ongoing conversation about okay. racism. And power struggles. And power struggles. And so go ahead and subscribe wherever you found this. We're happy that you joined us today. And if you've got subject matter you think would be fun to discuss or comments, go ahead and send us that information. We'd love to talk about it. Or even have you on the show. Yeah, in previous episodes or future episodes. Bye. Still <laughs> We're still friends. The conversation doesn't stop here. We've got bonus footage from this episode, including... The way I hear white guilt being thrown around is when white women start crying to center themselves in a moment so they can show the world that they feel guilty about what happened. Now respect in that context, mm -hmm. it's no longer guilt. They're yes. being opportunists and they're playing into victim. The world is not ready to answer the most simplest, the simplest question that one can ask an individual. Who am I? Check out the bonus footage playlist on YouTube, available now. Next time on Privilege with Purpose. This week, we are wrapping up our series talking about power struggles. Human beings are, we need communication, and yet we are so terrible at it. In a power struggle, recognize there's a power struggle, but should we also recognize what our tendency is in a power struggle? At what point are we going to take the reins, like really, into our hands and be accountable and responsible for our part right. in the conversation? so that we can move forward forgiving. A lot of people have a problem with this because they have to be right about how wrong mm -hmm. the other person is. It's a cheap way of feeling power when that is not really power at all.